welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Well, as Tony mentioned, we are continuing our series tonight for the Deadly Seven. And just a little bit of an introduction. Just to let you know that the Deadly Seven is a list from church history which was compiled by Pope Gregory in 590 AD. And it's seven problem areas that have caused every generation pain and hurt. And this series ultimately is about identifying things that will kill, steal and destroy the promises and purposes of God for our lives. You see, what you need to know is that we serve a big yes God. In the beginning, God created man and he placed him in a garden. And we've heard it said, you know, God, uh, Adam said, can I swim? And God said, yes. Can I eat? Yes. Can I play with the animals? Yes. Can I swim? Yes. Can I dance? Yes. Can I climb trees? Yes. Can I run with sticks in my hand? Yes. And when I was listening to the guys do the introduction, I thought, aren't we glad that it's Father God, not Mother God? Could you imagine? Because I'd be like, Adam, get down from the tree. Put some clothes on. I feel cold. Stop running with that stick. You'll take an eye out. I mean, it's Father God. And so he's a big yes, God. And the only no that he said was don't eat of that particular fruit from that particular tree in the garden. Now, if you're a parent here, you understand that sometimes we have to say no, but our no is in minority in comparison to the yes. So we will say, no, you know what? Not a smart idea to play on the road. Not a smart idea to drink poison. Not a smart idea to play with fire. It's not because I don't like you. In fact, it's because I do like you that I want to put some protection and some boundaries in place that help you fulfill the things you need to fulfill. Because you know what? If you uh, drink poison and die, if you maim yourself with playing with fire, if you get hit by a car, it really isn't going to help you serve the purposes of God. So we serve a big yes God. The Garden of Eden could be known as the Garden of Yes. And the seven deadly sins are a list of things that lead to death. Some of them physical, literal death, some of the sins we've talked about. Some of them can lead to spiritual death. They might not in themselves be the thing that kills you, but what they lead to if undealt with will be the thing that kills you. They can kill you spiritually, it can kill you physically, it can um, just do your purposes, your plans, the dreams, the, what God has planned for you cannot come about because of these things unchecked in our life. All right, And none of this was God's plan for humanity. So tonight I'm looking at the subject of sloth. And my husband said I had to do sloth because that's how they say sloth. But I'm not a very good <laughs> imitator. So I watched Ice Age one last night with Bailey so I could see Sid the sloth and try and imitate the sloth. But anyway, turn to the person next to you and go sloth. You're as bad as me, sloth, sloth. All right, so what is sloth? Sloth is defined as a habitual disinclination to exertion. Indolence, which simply means avoiding activity or exertion. Laziness. It's defined as spiritual or emotional apathy, neglecting what God has spoken and being physically and emotionally inactive. Sloth can also indicate a wasting due to lack of use concerning a person, place, thing, skill or intangible ideal that would require maintenance, refinement 
or support to continue to exist. Now remember, I'm not talking about teenage boys, I'm talking about sloth, all right? So I thought you'd find that funny. (laughs) I thought, gee, I've described half of the boys in this church. Anyway, okay, sorry. (laughs) All right, the word slothful is named after the animal, and you'll see behind me I have a picture of a sloth. (laughs) Oops, how did that get in there? We have an actual sloth. (laughs) I'm sorry, JT, just in case you're listening to the message, we just picked on one of our boys. I was horrified. I already had that plan before Tony paid you out this morning. I said, it's not fair, twice in one day. So this is an actual sloth. All right, so some facts about sloths. Sloths are slow tree-dwelling mammals. (laughs) They are so immobile that they actually grow algae on their furry backs. I told you, teenage boys. It's the world's slowest animal, very mild-mannered, mind you. So in other words, they're the Clark Kent of the animal kingdom. The sloth spends most of their life in trees. They are motionless for long periods of time. They can sleep for 18 hours a day. Teenage boys. (laughs) They can't, because of their anatomy, the way they're designed, they cannot walk or stand. They have to drag their bodies along the ground. (laughs) I'm sorry, JT. And they're on the endangered species list due to humans hunting them. I mean, come on. What kind of game is that? I'm going sloth hunting. Oh, that's going like, to take forever. I'm a champion sloth hunter. I mean, that's not even fair. All right. So that's what a sloth is. Sloth. What is the problem with slothfulness? I'm glad you asked. Proverbs 24, verses 30 to 34 says, I went past the field of a sluggard. The King James Version says slothful. Past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere, the ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. What's the problem with slothfulness? Slothfulness, according to scripture, leads to poverty whether it be physical, actual poverty, the man's field because he didn't work it, because he didn't tend it, had no fruit bearing, led to poverty. Uh, Relational poverty, again, if you don't work on your relationships, if we all become slothful in terms of how we interact with one another, it leads to relational uh, poverty, can lead to spiritual poverty. Again, if we don't work on our relationship with our um, Heavenly Father and we're reading our word and we're spending time in his presence and we're uh, talking and praying to him, it will lead to poverty in our spiritual life. It leads to poverty in every aspect of life. So what then is the answer to slothfulness? To me, the answer is to develop a good work ethic. And here's the hard bit. A good work ethic starts with you. Turn to the person next to you and say, it starts with you. No, not you, you. You. A good work ethic starts with you. It is not your parents' fault. 
If you have a poor work ethic, I'm sorry, it actually isn't mum and dad's fault. They may not have helped you, they may not have contributed, they may not have been wise, they may not have set you up for the win, but in the end, at the end of the day, it is still not their fault, it starts with you. It's not the government's fault. Well, you know what, if they'd had better education and I'd been able to get higher at school because I had to go to a public school and if they had better teachers or if I left school and I, the unemployment benefits, if they'd paid me a little bit more so that then I could have been a little bit free to be able to work on some of these, it's, it's not the government's fault. A good work ethic starts with you. You must take responsibility for your work ethic. Matthew 25, chapter, uh, verse 26, it's talking about the story of the master and the lazy, wicked servant. There's a man, let's just say he's an employer, he has three staff members, he gives them uh, some money each, he goes away. At once, two of those employees go and make money. They turn their, let's call it $1,000, into $2,000, and when he comes back, he's got money. When the third servant comes back, he's so slothful, lazy, the sluggard, he doesn't do anything with it and he comes back and then thinks, well, here you go, I'm giving you back what you gave me. And listen to what the master's response is. He says in verse 26, his master replies, you wicked, lazy servant. Because the servant's answer is, well, I knew that you're a hard man and I really didn't want to lose it. So here he goes, no, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew Again, it's you. You knew that I'm that, and yet you did nothing with it. Our uh, work ethic begins with us. So I just thought, you know what? If we're going to talk about slothfulness, if we're going to talk about how do we combat this deadly sin, how do we not lead to poverty in our lives, whether spiritual, physical, uh, emotional, relational, then I thought it would be really good to be really practical tonight and talk about how we can develop a good work ethic. Because I love the fact that in the Bible, in John 15, it says we are to show ourselves his disciples. And I believe Jesus had a great work ethic. We're also to show the world what Jesus looks like. And I don't think it's actually that hard to be salt and to be light, to be different in this society, where if you ever have the chance to be an employer, you realise, you know what, some employees leave a lot to be desired. And as... um, employment gets harder and it's not so easy to get jobs, if we can do little things that set us apart, I think we're going to be the difference. We could be having a good work ethic could be the difference between you and someone else getting a job. It also be the difference between you being able to say, but this is what a Christian does. It gives you opportunity. So I just thought it'd be very uh, helpful and very insightful if we could just do some practical talking about developing a good work ethic. All right. Sound like a good plan? Cool. All right, so how do we develop a good work ethic? Well, this is what you need to know. It starts at an early age. I've been working since I was 13. I don't know if that is actually legal now with all of the um, employment records and how old it is. And my kids are probably going to hate it because I'll be saying, well, when I was 13, I had a job as a checkout chick. And get the violins out. I'm not talking this... Woolies checkout chick where you scan everything and it tells you what it is. Well, I, uh, who's with me? I love going to the self-service checkout. <laughs> I'm a closet wannabe <laughs> checkout chick. But when I was 13, I worked in a supermarket. We had those massive big brown cash registers that had the buttons that if you pushed it too hard, you'd bent your finger back. All right, So you had to push everything, dot, put the decimal point in. Plus, 
You, the junk mail, you had to know what the specials were. It didn't tell you that that's on special. So you needed to know that coon cheese was on special this week. So you had to be reading the junk mail. You had to know. Because if you didn't know, I tell you, old granny knew. So if you put the wrong price in, she'd be like, no, 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 lovey. That's on special this week. And then you had to get the manager to get it all sorted out. So I've been working since I was 13. If you want to have a good work ethic, it, can, you can never be too young to start. And again, like I said, possibly... Because of our um, work relations laws, maybe you can't start at 13, but you know what? You can volunteer. And you're in an amazing place here where you have amazing opportunities for you to develop a good work ethic. So you can get involved in the cafe. You can get involved in kids' ministry. You can get involved in the car park. You can get involved in the sound. I mean, I saw Sammy Rainbow this morning, like this, with the, he's the, what do you call it, the guy that does the... Cable guy, thank you. <laughs> what do you call it, ninja? <laughs> Cable ninja. I just think, I watch that. I watch these young kids who are volunteering, doing stuff. I think, man, I've been an employee and I've been an employer. And I know what to look for when you're an employer. And I think someone like that, you know what he's learning? He's learning to work in team. He's learning to take orders. He's learning all sorts of stuff. That You know what? When it comes for him actually applying for a job, he's going to be streets ahead. Remember, we're talking about how do you develop a good work ethic? Well, it starts early. And where's the parents here? Give me a wave if you're a parent. Give your kids some chores. Seriously. They are not too young to do something. I'll get to you guys. No, don't you worry about that. <laughs> they are not too young. I just remembered when I was in worship, and so Sally Graham, I'm sorry, but Sally posted something on Facebook, and I couldn't find where it was, but it was about chores related to age. So maybe, Sally, if you can let the information desk know where that link is, so I'm going to encourage you parents, if you don't give your kids chores, go and look at that um, site that Sally had, because it was great. I'm not saying that you have to get your six-year-old to be mowing lawns, but they, you can have job-appropriate responsibility. You're teaching them a work ethic. Our kids have all had jobs since they were little. Bailey is six, so she has jobs. Mitchie's 12, he has jobs. Geordie's 14, she has jobs. They've been doing this since they've been about three or four. Just little things and just giving, making them responsible, saying, you know what? You look after that, you do this. It's, what am I doing? Is it because mum's so lazy, I'm not coping? Well, there's a little bit of that. But the majority is I'm trying to teach them something, that we're contributors and not consumers. You've only got to look at society. We've got to live in a society. It's all about me. Consume, consume. Give me, give me. I deserve my rights. We've got to teach people how to be a contributor. Get involved. Pocket money. I'm not against pocket money. But here's a word of advice. Don't pay your kids pocket money for chores. Give them pocket money. But don't, don't, it's not, I'm not paying you to do this. Are you part of this family or not? Are we, are we in this together? Does mummy get pocket money? Because she does your washing, your ironing, your cooking, your, mummy doesn't get pocket money. You're not getting pocket money because of what you're doing. You get pocket money because we're wanting to give you some income so you can learn independence, yes. But you're doing chores because you're part of this family and this is what we do. We're teaching you a work ethic. What about paying board? Ah. You know what, parents? Charge and board. Seriously. Now, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be major. But it's, you know what it's teaching them? It's teaching them how to contribute. 
If you're young here today and you're living at home and you're working and you don't pay board, here's a challenge. Go and volunteer board to mum and dad. You're talking about developing a work ethic? You want to climb the corporate ladder? You want to get further ahead? Then do some things that people go, I like this guy. Because what you don't understand is these things have ramifications and we may not know exactly what it is. So I might not know, will you pay board? But there'll be things that that does in your life that manifest out that we go, there's something about you. And we'll often come back and go, oh, that's because they've got some of these things in place. So parents, if you think, oh, well, I don't need it, you know what? Stick it in an account, pay for their wedding later on, buy them a car, help their... Whatever you want to do with it, it's completely up to you. It's the principle of receiving it from them because you're teaching them. And here's the key, they could be 30 years old and they're still at your house. Well, you know what? If it's you you and your husband and a 30-year-old, it's like average house is $450 a week rent. That's $225 for you because it's half for mum and dad and half for you because you use half the house. They'll soon go, oh, I'm out of here because $225, then there's utilities, then there's this. But bored, it's about, you can't start young enough, it's about teaching them a good work ethic. So parents, ask for it. But hey, knock their socks off, guys, and volunteer it. Sit there and say, hey, I'm going to do this. And like I said, it doesn't have to be harsh, but just something so that they understand what it is to contribute. Alrighty. So we're talking about how to develop a good work ethic. So it starts at an early age. Secondly, it's seen in the little things. A good work ethic is seen in the little things. It's about if you have a job, then turn up on time. Or how about this for Revelation? Come early. I worked as a dental nurse for 11 years. Our first patient was, say, 9 o'clock. I didn't rock up. Now, my timesheet started 9 o'clock. But I couldn't rock up at 9 o'clock. Well, one, I had to get there to let the patient in. Plus, I had to actually turn the air conditioner or the heater on, the lights on. You had to set all the instruments up. You had to make sure that uh, the tray was all ready to go, that the uh, numbing paste was all ready, that the injection, the... Um, I can't even remember what it's called anymore. <laughs> that stuff is warm. Because, I mean, the, if, you, if you've ever had a dental injection that hurts, well, one, you've got to get a new dentist because it doesn't need to hurt. All right? But secondly, it's probably because the solution's cold because the dental nurse probably just rocked up two minutes before you did. All right? So it's not about I start at nine, so I'm rocking up at nine. It's like I start at nine, so maybe if I got here at 22, I could be getting ready. A good work ethic is seen in the little things, not only on time, but early. A good work ethic is seen on stick to your lunch breaks. You know, people think, oh, you know what, I take 10 minutes extra. Can I tell you, taking 10 minutes extra from your lunch break is stealing. I'm sorry. You go, oh, well, it's only time. It's like, yeah, but that's someone else's time. If that was money that you were handing over, you you wouldn't think to put your hand in the till and help yourself to money, but you're taking 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. Free downloading. You could download a movie at home, but I'm at the office and I can get onto the internet and I can get onto their um, download quotient, so I'll just download here. I won't do it at home, I'll do it here. Again, we're talking about a good work ethic. I came from the days where you didn't have mobile phones. So if I wanted to make a phone call, I had to use the office phone. So I did every time. Just, excuse me, Steve, would you mind? I need to do this. Could I ring so-and-so? It's just manners. It's just good work ethic. I know who he trusts and who he doesn't trust because if he knows every time I go to do something like that, I, stamps, never helped myself to a stamp. Hey, Steve, 
I need to send this letter. Here's 60 cents. Can I have it? Well, back then it was probably 40 cents. Can I, can I have a stamp? Just little things. It's seen, your work ethic is seen in the little things. And I, I think it was this morning when Tony was saying that we've often said to our kids, we might not know everything, but God lets us know. And so you might think you're getting away with things, but at the, if your employer doesn't know, can I tell you intrinsically he does? Because something you just know, but can I, what's worse than that is that God knows. And we sit here and say, you know, good little Christian, and why don't my friends get saved? And I'm witnessing. It's like, you know what? Stop flogging stamps, stop flogging time, stop whatever, downloading, stop whatever it is. Stop, you know, hanging out the back. Stop. I worked at Macca's. And, you know, in the days when McDonald's, when the, when the night finished, whatever food was left you could eat. So do you know what they used to do? Like five minutes of closing. Quick, put on six buckets of chips. Cook ten hamburgers. Throw the chicken in. Why? Because in five minutes, when it closed, all that food we could eat. That's bad. Now, <laughs> no, I was on the checkout, so I, wasn't, I was not responsible for that. But, do you know what I'm saying? We just go, oh, it doesn't matter. No, it matters. This is all that. We're talking about develop a good work ethic, all right? It's seen in the little things. Say what you mean and mean what you say. I don't know how many times I have to say to people, let your yes be yes and you know me no. If you cannot do it, that's fine. Say, I cannot do that. But if you say you're going to do something, then do it. I had the discussion this today with our six-year-old had made a plan during the week, wanted to spend some time with someone, had invited them, oh, she'd invited herself over. I'm coming to your house. They were like, oh, really? Okay. And then had a better offer today. And then says to me, oh, I'm going so-and-so. I'm like, uh, excuse me? No, we're not. It's like, oh, but, but, and I said, hang on a second. Your yes be yes and your no be no. Again, they're not too young. It's like, you worked this out during the week, you said yes to this, and now you've had a better offer come along, you think you're going to ditch that and go here. It doesn't work, girlfriend. It's not what's going to happen in this family. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Talking, remember, we're talking about how to develop a good work ethic. As an employer, someone who I would much rather someone say to me, I just cannot, build what I've got on, I cannot do that, and that's fine, than them say, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll do that, and then not do it. What are you more happy with? Reminds me of a story in the Bible. The son who said, no, nah, no, nah, I can't be bothered, and went and did it. And the one that said, yeah, yeah, I will, and never did. We're talking about developing a good work ethic. Let your yes be yes. I said yes to this. I remember Mitch was in a wedding. He was about four, I think. We'd asked him, explained what that is to be in a wedding. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I'd like to do that. That's cool. Went and got the suit and thought he was really chuffed. He's looking at himself, like, look really cool. Wedding day comes. He says to me, I don't want to put it on. I mean, I'm like this. I've got the kid, eyeball to eyeball. I said, your name is Mitchell Rainbow. And a rainbow does what a rainbow says they'll do. You put that suit on. You put a smile on that face. And you walk down that aisle. He did. <laughs> It's never too young and it's seen in the little things. <laughs> say what you mean and mean what you say. All right. And then thirdly, remember, we're talking about how can we de- um, develop a good... What am I talking about? Work ethic, things. <laughs> Depends on a good attitude. You've got to be willing to do anything. There's not too many people who are wanting to start at the bottom anymore. Everyone wants to come in at the top. 
Everyone wants to come in like, here I am, this is what, no, I don't do that. No, this is what, I'm starting here, and you'll pay me this, and you'll pay me that. Again, can I just share, these are just my testimonies, and they're not about um, bragging, although they are, because I think I was pretty cool, but it's the principle. Again, when I um, was in year 12 at school, I always wanted to be a dental nurse. Go figure, I do not know why, but I always did. And I had an interview, and I really liked this job, and the guy said to me, you know, why are you wanting to finish year 12? And I said, well, I want to do, I'm doing school to get a job. I'm like, Really? I think dentists were thick, but come on. <laughs> so I said, so I, but I'm doing year 12 because I haven't got a job at present. So he really liked me, but he couldn't. Um, he decided he'd get someone who was trained. So I finished year 12. I'm wanting to do dental nursing. And back then, you couldn't do a course and then get a job. You had to get a job. So someone had to take you on untrained, and then you did training, and you went to dental school while you were working. So... I'm wanting to do this. I am working at Myers while I'm at uh, school. So I continued to work at Myers when I finished school. And then um, somebody recommended a dental friend to one of their dentists. So I went and saw this dentist. And I mean, God bless him. He gave me a one-day job. As his nurse was off doing her dental school, I worked that one day for him. Now, I had no training. So he took me on. I worked for him. He helped me. And I just worked one day a week. Then I had another dentist uh, was actually my local dentist who said, actually, you know what? Our nurse is leaving, so we'd like to give you a job. But he said to me, but Kath, what I need, because you've got no experience, I want you to work for me three days a week, unpaid for two months. Now, I'm already working one day a week paid by this nice guy. So I said, okay, that's cool. I can't do three, I can do two, because I'm already committed to one. So he, he was like, no, that's cool, I'm happy. And the other guy who's paying me said, Kathy's using you. I said, you know what, I kind of feel that too, but at this point in time, I might as well do it because it's going to get me experience. It's not like I'm, what, am I, what else am I going to do? So I'm working two days a week for nothing for one dentist, one day a week being paid, uh, Thursday nights and Saturday mornings at Maya, and the, the dole is supplementing my income. So in other words, I'm doing all that work and I'm still not earning what someone who's doing nothing on the dole. Nobody's prepared to do the menial anymore. But can I tell you, I worked almost two months to the day with this dentist and he'd said to me, his nurse was pregnant, she was leaving, and then his nurse's husband left her. It's probably too much information for you, but anyway, I'll give you the story because I feel better about myself. So two days before I'm supposed to start, the nurse's husband walks out and he has to give her her job. So he says to me, listen, if you can get another job, go for it. He said, the only thing I ask is if you start with me, then you don't leave. The day before I'm supposed to start, the guy who's the job I'd wanted 12 months ago rang me and said, can you start tomorrow? Just, I believe God blesses just the, the menial. We're talking about good work ethic. I just did it. You know what? I could have sat back and said, well, I'm just going to sit on the dole because I could do, I can get the same amount of money and do not even half, like a third of the work. But it's like, I'm trying to develop a good work ethic. And what happens is God met me, and then I got the job that I spent the next 11 years in. All right, so do the menial. We're talking about having a good attitude, willing to do anything. What about doing all things well? So not just doing, I mean, when I worked for free for this guy, I didn't just like, well, you should be lucky I'm here. I got there on time. I did everything that he asked for me. I learned from him. Do things well. 
I just, well, you're just lucky I'm here. I, I, you've all seen it. You've walked into the shop. You've been, you've been served by someone. You feel like saying, excuse me, am I not the customer? Am I not paying what I buy here? Does that not pay your income? Does that not pay your wage? It's like I'm a hassle. And I'm saying, you know what? If we want to show ourselves to be God's disciples, if we want to be different, if you want to get the job and be above, then have, do all things well. And that comes from what you wear. And it don't look like you've just been, got out of bed. It's like, okay, did, um, you must have slept in this morning. And are they your pajamas? Or if not, did you at least sleep in them? Like, dress well. Put a smile on your face. Be happy to be here. Sam and I were at the shops this week and we walked into a, a shop and I tell you, the girl, just right from the get-go, hey, ladies, can I... Now, we didn't buy anything, but I can tell you, I spent 10 minutes longer in that shop than I would have, purely based on her reception to us. Like, be, do things well. Just nice, friendly. We're talking about developing a good work ethic. We're talking about how can you put yourself out there? One, you're great, showing yourself a great disciple and just believing it and loving it and people going, there's something about you. Not only in the Christian sense, but then your employer. Like, hey, you're the person I'm going to employ because of those things you're putting there. So dress for success, do all things well. Dressing for success says you care. You know what? This is what we fail to see is if we can't care for this person, then our employer is looking at us going, well, why would I entrust my clientele to you? Because if you can't look after you, you're not going to look after the people that I'm wanting you to look after. So look after yourself. Clothing, smile, body language. And then finally, under depending on, uh, depends on a good attitude, is just get it done. Execution. We live in a world where lots of people start, not many finish. Just this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And then head down, tail up, getting on with it. We, the Bible says it's by your fruit you'll know them. It's not by your intentions. Oh, I meant to get to that, sir. Sorry. I meant to do that. Sorry. Oh, I, you know, I intended to. So it's not that. It's, it's what you got done. It's the fruit. Your execution. Completion actually is the bare minimum. Remember, we're talking about a good work ethic. What happened to over and above? You know what? I'm not just going to do this because that's what I'm paid to do. I'm going to look for opportunities to go over and above, to do more than it's expected, to not just rock up at nine o'clock on the dot and click in my thing, but you know what? I'm going to get here at quarter two. I'm going to walk around my office and my desk and see, is there anything I've missed out? Oh, look, there's some cobwebs there. I'll go over and above. It's not my job, but I'll get up there and clean them. Whatever, put it in your context, whatever it is you're wanting to do or are doing. Over another bare minimum. Yeah, just lucky I'm here. It's like, well, you know what? Sometimes I feel like, actually, you know what? Just move aside, honey. I'll put this through myself. Thanks. Like, I'll serve myself. I think, smile at myself. Now, how are you going today, Kath? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Anyway, sorry. Completion is the bare minimum, over and above. Even as simple as, you know what? If you're an office worker or whatever you do, clean your desk before you leave. Just don't think you might know where everything is, but you know what? Just neat and tidy, over and above. This is ready. What if someone else had to come in and use your space tomorrow? What if thinking of the next person? We have a saying in this church setting the person up for the win. Just thinking of the person who's following behind you, going over and above. And just in conclusion, because you might be thinking, well, what's the point? You know, why do I need a 
good work ethic. What, you know, what's that matter? Well, you know what? Hebrews 6.12 says this. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what's been promised. We don't want to be lazy. We don't want to be like the sluggard. I don't want to see decaying in my relationships. I don't want to see decaying in my spiritual life. I don't want to see physical decay. I get that I'll get older and things change, but I just don't want to be lazy and go, you know what? I want to be a good representation of Jesus to my sphere of influence. And Jesus wasn't lazy. He had a good work ethic and he loved people. And so we just got to stand against this slothfulness, this indolence of can't be bothered, don't want to. And just go, you know what? What a privilege to be a son and daughter of the king. What a privilege to represent him. What a privilege to serve people. Let's not be lazy, but let's be like Christ. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Amen? Amen. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.